afternoon, everyone, and uh, welcome to Cafe Church. Oh, sorry, I missed that, didn't I? Sorry. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Yeah, sorry, I, I was out of out of the mode from the last four weeks. I'm in I'm in Cafe Church mode now, and uh, Lisa's got a job with Pickford's when she finishes. Um, the the uh, so Cafe Church Cafe Church is a time when we it's a little bit different to our normal church. What we're doing is we're trying to think about the gospel as it relates to um, modern culture, our culture today, how we live. And uh, we're thinking about God, the gospel, and something, something related to our sort of, our sort of modern culture. And so it was just too tempting. It was just too an easy one for us. What can I say? We're going with God, the Gospel, and the World Cup. And I know that there will be a number of you here who have been hanging on every moment of the last four years, waiting for this, uh, this time. Uh, the Bible says the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. You might feel that applies to you. Or on the other hand, uh, you may just feel like this is slightly less interesting than cleaning the oven or watching paint dry. Um, so today we're going to think about this, but we're just not going to try and make it too much about World Cup and, and football and that kind of thing, although, to be fair, there will be a certain amount of it. Sorry, that's just how it goes. Um, but we'll have a bit of fun, have a bit of fun thinking about that and see what, uh, how the gospel might apply or how sport might point us towards the gospel. So... Um, and let's face it, you may never look at the World Cup in quite the same way after today. But anyway, so let's start off and we're going to take a little time, take a couple of minutes just sitting where you are, talking to the people around you and perhaps share with each other some of your favourite memories of, let's say, sporting events. Let's not say World Cups, let's say sporting events. So sporting events you may remember uh, recently or from when you were a child. Um, could be different sports. And maybe even meeting a famous sports star. I don't know. So just take a few minutes, just where you are in groups, just share your, your sporting experiences. And if any of you did win a trophy, you know, you can always share that with us. Okay, folks, so let's... Uh, let's Share some uh, share some experiences. My uncle recently ended up sitting next to Roger Bannister uh, <coughs> for dinner and having a had a great time with that. He really enjoyed uh, that experience. Um, so, uh, give us some of your favourite sporting moments or your favourite uh, most memorable sporting moments. Don't make me pick on you. Okay, vote for chocolate cake at the back. Is it is well, I mean, eating chocolate cake could be a sport. I mean, you know, uh, you know, to be fair. Yeah, okay, we'll go with that, yeah. And, he, and if it was a sport, it was certainly one of my favourites. I'll go with that, yeah. Uh, other, perhaps more sporting, sporting moments? <laughs> England win the World Cup, right? That would have been a memorable time, I am sure. And any particular memory from that? Any particular moment? That, I mean, other than... Well, 
<laughs> okay. Maybe a West Ham fan over there. Who knows? Excellent. Yes. Other, other. Yeah, Wimbledon. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, coming up soon again, Miss Dan. Helen Sharman dropping the torch in the Don Valley Stadium at the 1991 World Student Games, I think it was. Yeah, I think so. She was running up with it and she dropped it and spilt it. And yet, the torch still lit. Now, now you tell me how that works. Uh, I don't know. Any others? But let me share with you, let me share with you uh, just one that uh, has been in my mind recently given the World Cup coverage. This is four years ago when... Uh, Frank Lampard in the round of 16 in the World Cup uh, against our, let's face it, arch-rivals Germany. Uh, he has a, a first half shot at goal. At this point it's still 2-1. It hits the bar, bounces clearly to absolutely anybody over the goal line and yet it is not given as a goal. At that point that would have tied the game 2-2. Instead England go on to lose. 4-1 and we leave the tournament. And that's really when one of the, the calls for goal, goal line technology, you know where it says, you know, there's something that goes across the goal, so you can say whether the ball bounces this way or that way. They've used it in tennis for a while and, and cricket more recently. But it helps the referee from making a wrong judgment. It helps the referee from not making the right call. Uh, and God makes judgments all the time. God is making judgments all the time because that's who he is. His very nature, at least in part, is justice. I know that the statue on the top of the, uh, what is it, the Old Bailey in London is supposed to be justice. You know, there's a uh, woman, blindfold, scales. Um, always struck me as a bit of a strange place to do a bit of baking on top of the building, but anyway. Uh, but no, it is God who is justice. It is, it is God who is perfect justice. He's making judgments all the time. And the difference between him and a referee in sport, is that his are always right. He doesn't need goal line technology because they're right every time. And when he looks at our lives and he looks at the way we don't do what we should do, and let's be honest, none of us do, his decision is always spot on. And that's our first idea, that idea that God is the perfect referee. He is the perfect referee. The Bible says... That, that God is a God of faithfulness and without iniquity. Just and upright is he. Elsewhere in the Bible it says, uh, God says of himself, he says, I the Lord speak the truth. I declare what is right. And so there's our first thought really from this, this idea that God is the perfect referee in his judgments. Um, but... Uh, no, no one really brought up here um, uh, famous sports stars. I, I spent some time, most of you know, overseas up until recently, and we got a little bit into ice hockey. I don't know if any of you have come across ice hockey. That's a great game. Really is a good game. Every now and again there's a fight. It's really good. Um, but in ice hockey, so I learned a little bit about it, there's, a, there's one star who is head and shoulders above the others. His name is Wayne Gretzky. Right. otherwise known as the great one uh, he's reti he retired in 1999 and he's been, he's been called the greatest hockey player ever by 
not only by the commentators, but also by all the other players, and even by the entire league itself, have said he is the greatest player ever. He scored over 200 points in one season, and no one had ever done that. And not only did he do it once, he did it four times. He, when he retired, he held 61 records, and 60 of them still exist. When he retired... I don't know if you've ever seen this in American sports. It's a bit of a weird idea. What they do is they retire your number sometimes. If you're a really, really, really good player, they'll say, okay, no one else will ever have numbers. So if it was uh, uh, David Beckham, you know, they'd retire the number seven. Manchester United would have retired the number seven. Was it number seven? Number seven. They would have retired number seven. When this guy retired, every team in the league retired his number at the same time so that no one would ever again use his number. He was, he was number 99. Um, and I just think that's incredible, that idea that, that, that someone is held in that, in that sort of high esteem. Um, so let's take another minute now, just, just where you are. Let's talk about personalities. Let's talk about sports stars who you admire, uh, perhaps uh, because of what they do on the sporting field, perhaps because of what they do outside of sport. Uh, but just let's talk for a minute or two about sports stars who you really admire. Let's see what happens here. Well, let's uh, let's pull it back together again and hear about your your sporting stars and the people who you perhaps look up to or or otherwise. Anyone want to kick us off? Make some insane. The White Power Ranger. Okay. The White Power Ranger. Okay. Slightly out of my experience there, but we'll go with it. White Power Ranger. Cool. Other sporting stars, people, people who we admire on the pitch, for Johnny Wilkinson, for his sporting prowess and just being a really nice guy. Hard work. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever that is. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't resist it, sorry. Yeah, Stanley, Matthews. Stanley Matthews, where the, the 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 ball was allegedly stuck to his foot due to his uh, abilities. You know, yeah, he just skipped two defenses. Yes, there you go. Any other sp sporting heroes? Truly, yes. Yeah, very great player. Yeah, and a commentator for a long time afterwards as well. Yeah, yeah. Eric Liddell. Eric Liddell, yeah. Yeah. Well, the... the and... Yeah, when we think about these people, you know, they do all, all, all uh, they, they perhaps are very famous uh, in their sporting field. Uh, they're, they're very successful, perhaps they win trophies. They may be very, um, do some worthwhile things off the field. Certainly a number of sports stars, particularly recently, have got involved as things like uh, ambassadors for the United Nations and those kind of things. They're trying to um, do something more than 
being, being successful on the pitch. Um, but when, when we think about stars like you know, th those folks and, and you know, I don't know, Jessica Innes, Muhammad Ali, Bobby Charlton, Jonah Lomu, Magic Johnson, whoever. Uh, whoever you look to in that way, God's view of them, unless, they've, unless they're Christians, God's view of them will be still that's a no goal, that's a red card, that's a whatever their sport is. For all their accomplishments, for all their sporting prowess, for all their fair play, for helping young people, whatever it may be, for all their admirable qualities, God is measuring them against his standard. And against his standard, we all fall short. And remember, he is the perfect referee. Uh, God says in the Bible that, that all of our righteous deeds, so, so understand this, all of our righteous deeds, even the things we're doing for the best of motives, are like a polluted garment as far as he's concerned. We haven't got him in place. So there's our, our second idea, that uh, he's going to give us a red card unless we do something about it. Does that shock you? That, that idea might, might shock you that these stars, in fact, none of us measure up. Uh, and because that's the message from society, isn't it? I mean, the message from society is that these people are to be admired and, and, and put on a plinth and to be admired. Our, our children should want to be the next, whoever it is. Uh, but then, you know, but then so many of them then fall. So many of them have some kind of scandal. So many of them have some kind of thing. Just be reminded of that. Um, and when you think of that, you can see why some people do dislike sports. You know, some people will often say, well, you know, sports stars are overpaid and, you know, sports stars aren't necessarily worth it. Uh, wouldn't it be diff different if they all played, uh, you know, perfectly no cheating, like perfect sportsmen and women? Uh, you know, living personal lives that were totally exemplary and without fault, you know, teaching young stars all their skills and uh, having all the personal qualities we'd want someone to have. Uh, uh, you would want every sporting hero to have. Hardworking, persevering, respecting others. And yet none of us match up to God's standard in that way. None of us meet that perfect standard that he, that he wants. And that is a hard thing to accept, I think. That's a hard thing for our society to accept, particularly when you're thinking about people who are admired by society. So let's just change tack here for a moment. That's a sailing analogy for anyone who wants that one. Uh, let's just change tack. So um, let's pretend I'm on the pitch. Okay? Now, I am a rubbish football player. I have no hand-eye coordination or hand-foot coordination at all. Totally, a total numpty. But let's just pretend for a moment that through some bizarre explosion of the head of the England selectors, I have been put by the England manager in to play for England in the World Cup this weekend. Can you imagine? Let me tell you what I would be thinking at that moment. At that moment, I would be thinking, I want to be substituted 
straight away. Like as soon as the, in fact before, but suddenly by the time the national anthem was over, I would be like, okay manager, swap me in for someone who knows what they're doing. Uh, I, I know I'm not up to the job. I, I know I'm not capable of, of <laughs> even playing for um, whoever. Uh, Sheffield, because I don't want to upset anyone here. Sheffield FC, Hallam FC, any Hallam FC fans here? Okay, I wouldn't play for Hallam FC, the second fo- oldest football club in the world. Um, I would be, I would want to be, sub- I wouldn't be stu- substituted by anybody, but I wouldn't want to be substituted by the best player available. I want England to bring on the best player available. And when I'm being honest about my life and the way I live, I am not up to the job. When I'm being honest about my life, I am not up to the job. I mess up every day. And when and going back to that analogy we talked about, when, when I know that, if I'm being honest, I know that God's judgment every day on me is, it's a red card. I need to be substituted. I need to someone to come on and play for me instead. Fortunately, there's one star who can substitute for me. There's one star who can come on and do what I can't do. And his name is Jesus. Jesus calls him the bright morning star. Uh, I know Jose Mourinho is sometimes called the chosen one with various degrees of seriousness. But did you know that, that Jesus Christ was actually the real chosen one? In fact, that's what Christ means. Christ means chosen one. So here's the third idea I want to leave you with, and that is that Jesus is our substitute. He's been chosen to substitute for us. Paul wrote uh, to a group of Christians in a place called Corinth, for our sake he made him, talking about Jesus, him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus is going to substitute for us again. Uh, a guy called John, who was one of Jesus' followers, followed him for three years. He said this. He said, this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the, big word, propitiation, if I can say it, for our sins. He is swapping over here, taking our place. Okay. All right, I know we've done a lot of football analogies there and that kind of stuff, reality check. You know, all analogies break down. You know, I can go on making increasingly tenuous links to football and I don't know what else, uh, you know. And so I don't want to take it too far. Uh, Mike already gone too far. But, uh, and I don't want that to be a distraction. You know, Jesus does not actually live our lives physically when we trust in him but here's what he does when we put our trust in Jesus Christ God will forgive us because Jesus died for us Jesus will help us to live a better life when we put our trust in him when we put our trust in him we become adopted as his brothers and his sisters we're adopted by God and his spirit becomes part of us. I want to be really clear with you that when we trust him, that's what happens. When that substitution takes place, that's what happens. He doesn't physically come and live our life in some way. Uh, Although he helps us to live a better life. Well, 
It's just too tempting. Back to the footballing analogy then. So, unlike football, uh, our lives are not a game of two halves. There is no extra time. There is no penalty shootout at the end. It's important to realise that our time is very limited. Let's go back to me playing for England for a minute. Uh, some of us, and this might be true for me, to be honest, some of us might say, or might be tempted to say, I'll just play for five minutes. I'll just play for the first five minutes, just so I can say, yeah, I played for England. I played against Italy. You know, or whatever it is. Uh, or, or might be tempted to say, well, you never know. I mean, you never know. I might actually just be able to do something. I mean, I know I'm no good, but you never know. It might just be a moment of luck. I might just have something that happens. Um, I know someone, this is aside, I know someone who won a pink Porsche 911 in a competition. He hadn't passed his driving test and could not have afforded to insure it in any way possible. But he didn't straight away sell it to someone. He kept it for about two weeks and took lots of photos with him next to him. And I was like... Um, just so he could say, yeah, I had a pink Porsche 911. And, and some of us, you know, you might be tempted to, yeah, I'll, I'll just try it myself for a bit. Um, we, I would be fooling myself if I said that. If I thought that I should be on that pitch for a moment, I would be fooling myself. It would be a disaster. But, but to a certain extent, we all try and do it ourselves either consciously or unconsciously, we will try and live our lives without God. We will make ourselves the centre of our lives rather than God. We'll say, yeah, I think I can handle this. I might not be brilliant, but I'm okay. I'm okay for a little while. Now, all the while, the ref is looking at us, thinking, this is a massacre. What is this boy doing on the pitch? And that's why we need to trust Christ. We need to trust Jesus to play for us. That's our fourth idea. We need to get off the pitch and trust Jesus to play for us instead. We need that substitution we talked about. And we need it to take place as soon as possible. What are we thinking? Why do we think we can do this when all the evidence is that we can't? Are we thinking that, that God, the referee, will think we're okay, that he won't give us that red card? We need to trust Jesus. I need to trust Jesus. The, the people who just tr do trust Jesus are going to call ourselves Christians. And praise God, because I am not fit to do it on my own. And finally, because of this trust, because Christians are people who place their trust in Jesus, they have a firm hope. We sang about that earlier. There is a hope. Uh, we have a hope. And here's our final, our final idea. I don't know about you, but... Uh, uh, okay, I'm an England fan, as you probably gathered by now. I'm a Sheffield Wednesday fan also. Sorry to all the Sheffield United fans, thank you, in the congregation. I'm also a Vancouver Canucks fan. That's my ice hockey team in, uh, in Canada. Um, but let's face it, being a, f a football fan or, or any kind of sporting fan can be really disappointing a lot of the time. I did check. The last time any of those three teams won anything was 1991. Okay. So that is, what's that, 23 years ago. Uh, although there was Sheffield Wednesday. And, and yet we hope. 
don't we? We hope, you know, I mean, you know, the, the, the England fans now, despite all of the evidence to the contrary, are thinking, yeah, but you never know. I mean, you know, you never know. We might just pull it off. No, sorry, you're, you're crazy. You know, yeah, it's a million, what's that? It's a million to one chance, but you just don't know. No, it's a million to one chance. I mean, in 999,999 cases, it won't work. It's only a million to one, you know. And yet we hope. We, we have that hope. I discussed this with one of my friends called Mark uh, a while ago. Uh, he's a Middlesbrough fan, poor guy. And he was just sharing, we are just sharing together that sense that, that most sporting fans have that, that even though your team is desperately bad and up against great opposition and knowing that realistically you are pretty stuffed, you're still like, yeah, but you never know. You know, you're and you're also knowing in your heart that you're going to be let down. The next match comes round, and you have the same hopes, despite all the experience. Madness. Here's a, here's a couple of quotes from people uh, reflecting on, I don't know if you know this, but after the World Cup, uh, there is a huge impact on industry, on British industry in the following weeks. If we've done well, productivity goes up. If we've done badly, productivity goes down. I'm not just talking about a little bit, I mean by quite a lot. Some of that is because people take sickies and those kind of things. Here, here's, a, here's a couple of things. Uh, quotes after, this was after the 2010 World Cup, I think. I haven't taken a sickie, but I wish I had. Last night's game required many beers to steady my nerves. And as a result, I'm feeling very numb and very tired. I'm writing computer programs that don't appear to be working. I wonder why, still, in Edinburgh. Or, I really, wanted to phone, I really wanted to phone in sick today, as I've got a really bad hangover after celebrating Portugal's win last night. I work with a few English guys, and I really wanted to be there to support them, though, so I went in anyway. Thanks from Stephen in Glasgow. Um, and there's a quote, I couldn't find the quote, there's a quote in Harry Potter where Hermione uh, complains that all the guys sense of happiness or not depends entirely on the success of their Quidditch teams. I couldn't find the quote. But Christians put their hope somewhere else. If you believe in Christ, then your hope is in that bright morning star. And it's a different type of hope. This is not a type of hope that you're thinking it's a million one to chance, but it might just come off. This is a hope in someone who's never let anyone down, ever. This is a hope in someone who has never dropped the ball. They've never lost a penalty shootout. They're someone who wins every time. This is a hope in someone who, despite our total rubbishness, despite how, how completely useless we are, still wants us on his team. And that's just going to bring us great, great joy and great hope and a hope that lasts and that's where that sense of joy and that hope is in the passage from Romans look with me again in Romans this was in chapter 5 and uh, we were in uh, in verse 3 there we, you know, we're rejoicing in our sufferings knowing that sufferings produces endurance endurance produces character we talked about suffering didn't we last week uh, and character produces hope and get this Hope does not put us to shame because 
to hope his outcome has changed. The gondola has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives within us. You know, this hope in Jesus is a firm hope. It is a sure hope. As a Christian, we're not hoping in something which is uh, vague or may not happen. No, we're hoping knowing what the end of the story is. Because we've already read it. We've already read it in the Bible. So, whenever you're watching, whenever you're watching a match of the World Cup, or desperately wondering whether now is the time to clean the oven again for the tenth time uh, during the tenth. Uh, you may never have cleaned it since the last World Cup, I don't know. Um, then, then just before kickoff, or just before you open the oven door, use that time to remember the, these analogies here. Use that time to remember that God is the perfect referee. Jesus is the perfect substitute. That you need to get off the pitch. Let him get on so that you can be sorted of winning. The gospel is, you know, let me steal a football quote. You know, the gospel is not just a matter of life and death. It is far more important than that. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, sports, for the fact that it gives us joy and fun and enjoyment. Uh, Lord, and we can take it with a certain amount of uh, seriousness or a certain amount of fun. But like all of your creation, all of the things that uh, exist in the, this world, they point to you. They point to you as uh, our Father. Uh, on this Father's Day, we remember that you are our Father, regardless of what our situations are with our, our earthly fathers. Father, all of creation points towards you and towards your gospel. Yes, uh, sport, our craft, education, our schools, our, our home lives, our work lives, uh, our family lives, all of it points towards you because you created it all, you sustain it all. And so, Father, we thank you for uh, the opportunity to uh, watch some great sporting events, Lord, and we thank you for the great truths that they point towards. Father, help us never to forget, even in the, the throes of a great match or whatever it may be, never help us to forget that you are God, you are sovereign, that you love us, that you sent your son to die for us, and we need to respond with trust and with repentance. Lord, thank you for the gospel. It is our hope, and our hope does not disappoint us. Amen.